0: if you're counting and i know you're counting that's four straight losses for the tennessee titans following a near miss 17-14 defeat against the los angeles chargers on sunday a game where the defense looked a lot like the defense again the offense looked a lot like the offense of old as well particularly in the second half for the most part a familiar injury issue for quarterback Ryan Tannehill and so on and so on and so on it goes with this team. The AFC South race continues to get tighter as the uh, remaining games on the schedule grow shorter so we will we will take our weekly dive into these issues and more in the Believe in Titans podcast. I am David Beauclair of AllTitans at SI.com, joined as always by former Titans cornerback Denard Walker. Denard, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. How you doing, David?
0: Doing good. And good. uh John Glennon of AllTitans at dot com. John, how are you?
2: I'm doing well. Hope the same for you guys.
0: Doing great. Doing great as the uh as the holiday weekend approaches here, but uh before we get into all this, let me take a moment to remind you that Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. You can find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting to props and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, boys, four losses in a row, one game up on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's get right to it. Denard Walker, are the Titans going to hang on and win this division?
1: After Sunday's performance, defensively, yes. Offensively, no. Uh, They're going to need some playmakers, especially in the perimeter game. Again, that was a uh, theme coming into this game is who on the outside is going to make some plays. Unfortunately, uh, who made some plays other than Chig and Austin Hooper? Nick Westbrook-Akine had no catches. Robert Woods had a couple catches um we saw Chris Conley again he made a, a contribution but again until you get some production from the perimeter I don't think this team is going to go far I think they might miss the playoffs this year to be honest with you
0: so the defense is not going to be enough to to get them through here down the stretch
1: it didn't work Sunday no it didn't <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, it, the,
0: the, defense, the defense played great hey, he played they played great one they gave up the one big play at at the wrong time, right? The big catch to Mike Williams on that last drive gets uh, gets the Chargers into, into field goal position, and, and they get the game winner there at the end. John Glennon, I'll, I'll ask you the same question. Will the Titans hold on and, and win this division?
2: You know, uh, I I think I would have answered that question very differently, perhaps a a week or or, or two weeks ago. Um, You know, that's when we could look at the old playoff predictor and, and, uh, you know, the the New York Times playoff forecaster, whatever you want to call it. Before last week's game, 86% chance the Titans would make the playoffs. Um, You know, but, but with that home loss to Jacksonville, so much has really changed. Uh, and 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 if you're just charting, obviously the way these two teams are going too. Obviously, Titans have lost four in a row, and the Jaguars are hot. Uh, I mean, four and two in their last six, three and one in their last four. You know, Trevor Lawrence, I think, is thrown for 300 in, in three of those four games. They're clearly moving in the right direction. Another thing that that's uh, you know in the Jaguars' favor, they're a relatively healthy team, one of the more healthy. Teams in the league at this point, we all know the Titans are not. So you know, you, you look at the remaining schedule. uh You know, I I, I see if, you know if the Titans can hang on and win this one at home against the Texans, I still don't think they can beat the Cowboys. I don't think they have the firepower to beat the Cowboys. So that leaves them eight and eight. Uh, I I think the Jaguars are going to win the next two road games uh, at at the Jets, who are starting Zach Wilson, and and at Houston, you know, which is Houston. Uh, so I think it's going to come down to that finale, both teams, eight and eight, the winner take all. And honestly, right now, I'd, I'd, I'd give an edge to the Jaguars. So, you know, I, I guess if if I'm saying that, I say odds are this very moment, you know, I, I see the Jags is more likely to make the playoffs than I do the Titans. You know, hard as that, that is to to even say, that to me looks like the facts right now. <laughs>
0: it's it's interesting when you think about a four game losing streak and and you know we all understand how it's happened why it's happened whatever but but you look at uh you look at the fact that six of the other seven division leaders right now the first place teams i'm talking about buffalo cincinnati kansas city philadelphia minnesota and san francisco all have four losses or fewer for the season you know I, i mean four of those six have three losses or less. And then you've got San Francisco and Cincinnati with the, uh, w- with four losses apiece, and And even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a first place team with a worse record than the Titans at six and eight, they, they, their worst stretch is three losses in a row. And I mean, they've lost, uh, you know, they, they haven't strung together wins here in a, in quite a while. And, and they actually don't control their own fate uh, that the Carolina Panthers do in that division. But uh but but four losses and and to still be in first place is a uh, is a remarkable achievement in and of itself right there but of all things I'm going to be the I'm going to be the voice of optimism here I I think uh I, I think Jacksonville ha- has you know it it's a fairly young team it's a it's a team that had a lot of new players brought in through free agency this year and and i think that this stretch they're on right now this has all been kind of fun and games right they had nothing to lose all of a sudden the jaguars have something to lose and it it, it's a different challenge when uh when you're playing with the burden of of expectation and possibility and whatnot and uh and, and i have a hard time seeing them continue this win streak and 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 put together these uh these next two wins to to set up the showdown in week 18 against the titans and and i also think you know the titans are i mean now if the titans don't win saturday against the texans then then i'll lose all faith in them but uh you feel like you feel like in nashville after after a couple of heartbreaking losses for the texans this is a game this is a game that the titans should win restore a little order to their to their locker room and uh and and gain some confidence again and just kind of just kind of calm the waters here of course uh of course i uh, you know we'll 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 see about that it it's it's not going to be it, it potentially won't be this the same Titans team that we have seen most of the season John you uh you alluded to the injury issues and uh we should we should point out that the first injury report of the week is is out uh Ryan Tannehill I think is a surprise to no one did not practice with an ankle injury but the the real news here to me is the entire offensive line is on the injury report led by Ben Jones who has a concussion again, keep in mind Jones missed two games earlier in the year with a concussion. Um, a a recurrence is, is obviously really bad news and and creates serious doubt as to whether he'll be able to play. Um, right guard, Nate Davis has an ankle injury. He was listed as a non-participant if they'd had a regular practice, right? Tackle Nicholas Petit Frere and, and left guard Aaron Brewer were, uh, were both listed as limited participants. Dennis Daly, the much maligned Dennis Daly at left tackle was a non-participant, but it was non-injury related. It said, and then, you know, you add to that Dylan Raiden who rotated in with the, uh, with Daly Sunday at Los Angeles, he he would have been a non-participant with a knee injury too. So if, even if they were moving in the direction of Dylan Raiden as their left tackle, that, that seems unlikely. So, uh, uh denard if if this if this offensive line is in shambles you know how much harder does that make things let's keep in mind Derek. you know Derek henry's rushed for over 200 yards four games in a row against the houston texans can is there any chance he could make it five without ben jones and maybe one or two other starters up there
1: we'll see sunday because <laughs> david let, let me say this is look at Houston's last two games. They've lost in the last two, two games by a combined score of 10 points. They gave Dallas everything. Dallas had the same mindset playing Houston that they were supposed to go in, go down to Houston, go down to I-45, beat this team up, get back to Dallas and party. Unfortunately, Houston didn't get the memo it took dallas everything that they had they had to muster up every little play that they had to get out of houston and say wow we escaped one because houston had that game was 23-27 not to mention sunday they lost to kansas city 30 to 20 24 to 30 Lovey Smith has his team going, even though the record is not a it doesn't reflect that he has this team going in the right direction, David, because you know what's changing in Houston is what's changing in Jacksonville. That's the mindset. It's all about the mindset. Remember, there's no disparity in this league when it comes to talent, and Jacksonville is proving that. so what's going to happen is if you're right now, if you're Tennessee. Your back is against the wall when this team comes to town because nearly half of your team, like you just said, with the injury report, it wasn't like the offensive line played that great Sunday. If you look at this, just look at the offense, just take a look at the offense for a second and look at the third quarter. That was abysmal. Okay, and they only scored, what, 14 points the entire game. The first series of the third quarter typically tells you how you're going to finish up the game. David, they had a punt and interception, which was a turnover by Nasir Adley. Again, punt again, punt. And then they took a sack by Chris Romp the second off of Dennis Daly in a 39. And that right there, when you talk about the little things, let's let's take a look at the fifth series. It's seven to seven at this point. When they took that sack, Instead of going, instead of let's say uh, Randy is at 40, right? A 40 yard field goal, which he's automatic. He's five for seven. They ended up having to kick a 51 yarder, which is Mm -hmm. 0 for one this season. That could have been the difference in this game Sunday. Think about it. In the fourth quarter, Tennessee could have been up, what, 10 to seven? Or excuse me, what was it be? uh, Yeah, it would have
0: been 10. Yeah, 10 10 to seven at at that point.
1: So basically, what would happen was, they're going to win the game instead of trying to tie it up, um, if my math serves me correctly, but my mindset. But, again, we would talk about the little things, the sack Sunday. That's not getting any better. And it just it seems like it's a trickle-down effect. And if they don't clean this up and you already got a line, like you said, David, that's hurting. Houston is reading that injury report. You don't think Lovey Smith is looking at his defense alignment and saying, listen, we can take, we can take advantage of this group. We can win right here at the line of scrimmage. The only thing we have to do is put this team, let's make these guys one dimension And how you do that. Hey, we're going to stop Derek and make the players on the perimeter. Nick Westbrook, Ikenay, we're going to make Robert Woods. We're going to make uh, Chris Conley. We're going to uh, make Racy McMath beat us. And if that's the case, then Houston might go into Nashville again like they did last year and pull one out.
0: Okay, but, but John Glennon, let's say this. You know, the, the the Texans have tried to stop Derrick Henry before and, and have been unsuccessful at it. What what can they do differently? What, what, can, what can they do? Bring to this game to make them think okay this this is going to be different other than maybe they're going against a whole different group of blockers up there
2: yeah i i think that's the the key uh one key is that they're going up against the the uh you know an extremely depleted offensive line this time around i mean you know let's be honest here i mean the, the line that the titans planned to start this week would be would be listed as depleted in the first place i mean you know, you're looking at Daly, who is really a third string left tackle, because I think Jamarco Jones would have been playing there, uh, you know, had had he remained healthy at all. Uh, and you look at all the way across the line, you know, uh, you're looking at backups or guys who weren't expected to be starting in the, in the first place. And now you might be down who who knows how many more. It, it's never a good sign, you know, like on, on today. When we see the Titans, uh, you know, who do they add to the practice squad was well, two offensive linemen. That's kind of a giveaway that the things are in kind of a, a bit of a crisis stage there. Daniel Monnier, uh, at least we've heard of, played a little bit with the Titans, had some experience, can play center if necessary. Although he has some snapping problems, always an issue for a center. Uh, um, and uh, and Bo Benshaw who I, I can't say I've, I've ever heard before. He was the other practice squad pickup today. When when you're looking at those guys, I don't think the Texans have to have a revolutionary defensive attack uh, to stop Derrick Henry. So, you know, that, and and you look at the fact that, that, you know, we know that Derrick Henry went through a four or five game stretch where he was being held to, you know, 40, 50, 60 yards. And, and I think there's a lot of tape. Uh, you know, put up in that regard of, of effective ways that were used to stop Derrick Henry. So a little bit of learning from the Texans and, and, and a whole lot of depleted Titans offensive line, I, I have a feeling could make a life more difficult uh, for, for Derrick Henry uh, than, than we usually see him against the Texans.
0: Yeah, Bo Benshaw was a was an All American actually at Wisconsin, but well, uh, has right had uh, has had has gained no traction in the NFL to this point. This could be this could be his big break if he gets thrust mm-hmm. into uh, gets thrust into action. But the you know the the issue too with the uh, you know keep in mind that the two games Ben Jones missed, Aaron Brewer shifted from left guard to uh, to center, and uh, and Dylan Raiden stepped in at left guard. Well, as we've noted. Aaron Brewer is hurting, might not be able to make that move. Dylan Radens is hurting, likely won't be able to step in. I mean, the, the domino effect here is 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 potentially catastrophic for this group right now. And I I can't recall and, and you know I've been covering this team a long time. I can't recall anything similar to that. And then you you take that and think in a best case scenario. Ryan Tannehill on a bum ankle finds a way to get back out on the field and he's a sitting duck behind an offensive line that's not used to communicating with each other and, and, and playing in particular spots, you know, potentially one or two guys in there who were just signed off the street this week. So, I, I, I mean, that, I guess that raises the question, Denard Walker, even if he can play, should Ryan Tannehill play quarterback this week?
1: <laughs> they got no choice. Do you feel like you can win with Malik going into Houston with an already depleted line? It, it, this is Lovey Smith right now is the defensive coordinator for Houston. You don't think he's sitting, he's sitting there saying, Listen, they got a quarterback, he's hurting. He's playing with a bomb ankle. You got an offensive line right now that's been decimated by injuries. He's looking and saying, Listen, fellas. We have a chance to go into Nashville once again, and we can get this game. It's it, Dave. I promise you, when Houston shows up, they're gonna get their Tennessee's gonna get their best effort because they got beat earlier in the year, so they're trying to atone for that loss as well and it's going to be hard with all of the injuries. Defensively, this is a team, this is a unit that can play with anybody in the league when they're on par. We saw that Sunday. They did a great job in bottling up Justin Herbert, who's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. How many touchdown passes did he have Sunday? Zero. Zero. And that was what was so alarming about this game. It, and I was like, you know what, is going into this game, my mindset was Tennessee has the 31st pass, they're 31st in the passing game. Los Angeles is weird saying that name. Los Angeles, I want to <laughs> say San Diego, so bad. It's Los Angeles coming to this game, they're third uh, in passing in the league. So I said, you know what? Their their strength is Tennessee's weakness. And when I looked at the game, I'm like, no. Tennessee end up dominating that unit until what the fourth quarter. They made some plays. They did a great job in bottling up their receivers. So you know this secondary, along if they can get the, get some more production from the linebacker core, they're solid right there. But offensively, that scares me. I don't know if they have the firepower in these next three games to get through. It's going to be tough.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a great point. This is exact. This was exactly the kind of game that the Titans have won a bunch this year and now all of a sudden they didn't win that game and uh and that has to that has to set off alarm bells and and has to has to have everyone scratching their heads a little bit but but say this john glennon when the titans played the texans the first time around malik willis was the quarterback in that game that was the first of two that ryan Tannehill missed the first time he injured his ankle um is is there value in in Malik Willis not only having played a couple games in the NFL but played against this particular team and uh and and maybe he comes in with a little more confidence based on that
2: i think there are reasons to believe that that we would see a better Malik Willis uh this time around than, than in his first two starts uh yeah number one uh fortunately for the titans the texans happen to be one of the two teams that he has started against before, you know, went six for 10 in that game, wound up being the, the, the winning quarterback. So, you know, did, did well enough for himself Um, maybe more so than that. This is the first game. uh, Well, I I should hedge this. I was going to say that he will have Traylon Burks available to him. We don't know that for sure, but Traylon Burks was, uh, would have been a full participant in practice today, which is Tuesday, uh, you know, which is certainly a step in the direction for him potentially coming back. So, He could have Traylon Burks available, uh, which he did not have against Houston, Kansas City last time. Uh, Also, you know, back to the last time that Malik Willis started, Chigo Conquo was not much a part of this offense at all. They were just really starting to find a way to to get him more involved. And you look what Chigo Conquo has done the last four weeks, you know, I think 17 catches, 200 yards and and a touchdown. He's a much more of a weapon now. For the Titans than he was when Malik uh, Willis was starting before, so I think you know uh, those are two two uh, pluses for Malik Willis. We have heard Mike Vrabel talk you know at least a couple times this week about uh, how uh, you know Malik Willis's preparation for for his kind of cameo in in last week's game was very good. He was a he was a better quarterback then. Uh, we heard Roger McCreary talk about. Uh, you know how what a good job uh, Malik Willis has been doing running the scout team a, a, another plus there the downside you know the the reason where you where you wonder uh, oh boy is, is Malik Willis going to be able to handle this is again what we have talked about so often just that offensive line situation that's not going to be probably much help uh, to a rookie quarterback who's who's probably one biggest drawback so far is that he takes a lot of time holding the ball sometimes before he makes his decisions. That's that's probably kind of the Achilles heel so far for for rookie Malik Willis, uh, and and that's the last thing you can get away with when an offensive line is so depleted. Those guys are going to be coming after him in a hurry.
0: But at least you know one of Willis's strengths is his mobility, his his escapability, yes. and and whatnot. And it, and it could be a, a case where the coaches tell him, "Look, you have one, maybe two reads." and mm-hmm. and then get out of there and go. You know, this is this is where they, you know, they they have worked very hard to sort of keep him in the pocket, keep his eyes downfield, teach him all that stuff throughout the preseason and whatnot. And this might be the one where they tell him, look, forget all that stuff for a week. Just, go. just, just yeah. keep yourself alive, you know. <laughs> uh, and while we're talking about quarterbacks, I, I think we should note, too, that, that these two near misses Houston has had the last two weeks, they've done it with two quarterbacks, Davis Mills and, and, uh, and Jeff Driscoll have been rotating on, on some, to some degree. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure I've read up on it enough at this point to know exactly who's going in the game, when, and, and why, but I, I, you know, I know, I know what we're going to hear from the Titans defense this week. It's we're, we're preparing for the Texans offense. We're not preparing for a specific quarterback, but, but Denard Walker, how much will these guys need to know and look to be aware of which quarterback is in the game at a particular time?
1: Uh, well, they bring, I guess, a different dimension as why they're, they're playing the two. Uh, of course, when you look at Jeff Driscoll, uh, I've watched him when he was at Florida, uh, big time player. He's got an average arm at best. He's good. He was up for the Hosman for a while. I know that uh, he was, or at least in consideration his senior was in his senior year, Uh, Driscoll's tough. Davis Mills is who you should prepare for. I think he gives them a better chance at winning this game. We know what he's capable of doing when you give him some time in the pocket. I thought Tennessee did a great job in that first game this season. They just got after uh, Davis Mills and just made life miserable for him all day long. So if you're Tennessee, I don't think you really, I think you prepare for Davis Mills as he's going to be the starter. But I don't think Jeff Driscoll really presents a problem to this team. Uh, if you're Tennessee this week, you just want to make sure that defensively you're ready to to eliminate the run game, make this team one-dimensional in the pass game. If the secondary can play like they played Sunday, it's going to be hard to score some points on this unit.
0: And, uh, you know, Houston's run game will be without rookie running back Damian Pierce, who's who's hurt, I believe uh, believe, out for the year. Um, John Glenn and Mike Vrabel said Monday, he said again, Tuesday, there's a lot of good veterans on this Houston team. A lot of guys who, uh, who, who who know how to win, have won games, other places they just haven't done it here. Um, Is, is that a message you think that will get through? You know, is are the Titans, is, is there any fear that the Titans don't take this team seriously enough given given the Texans record, and, and which is the worst in the NFL right now.
2: Well, I think if the Titans had about a three-game lead in the division right now or three or four-game lead in the division, that, that message might not get through. But uh, I don't think the Titans have to worry about overlooking anybody right about now. Uh, you know, when the Jacksonville Jaguars came here into, into Nashville and and kind of punched the the Titans in the mouth last time around, you know, and the Titans were used to handling – uh, the, the Jaguars so, so easily, um, you know, and, and when the, again, when the Titans know the circumstances right now of, of the playoff chase, uh, you know, and, and, and the fact that, you know, there is still the possibility that, that it doesn't have to come down to that, that winner take all on that finale too. You know, if the Titans can and the Jaguars, if there's a magic number of three over the next two weeks, then that, that, uh, you know, in, in the Titans favor, then that, that winner take all scenario goes out the window. So I, I think you know, there's plenty of incentive for the Titans not to overlook the Texans. And, and as Denard referenced earlier too, you know, when you look at the the Texans last couple games going down to the wire, probably should have beat the the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, then they take the, uh, the, the chiefs into overtime too. Those are two high quality teams. So those, those will open the eyes. I, I think of the Titans and, and, Combined with the sense of urgency they have to have right now, I, I don't see them uh, overlooking Houston. And,
0: and also, opening everyone's eyes or catching attentions right now, I think is the uh, is the weather forecast for Sunday. John, uh, give us your uh, ter- put on your G- your Jim Cantori hat and, uh, <laughs> and and give us the rundown of what uh, what sh- we should be expecting from a uh, from a meteor meteorological standpoint.
2: Yes, yeah, so I just checked the, uh, the the latest weather balloon, uh, David. I've, <laughs> I've got some some fresh data uh, coming in here. Um, this has the uh, the possibility, very real possibility, of being the coldest game in the history of uh, hold, coldest home game uh, in in franchise history uh, for this team. Not only Nashville going going to uh, to Houston as well. The, the current record holder there was uh, in 2017. Uh, it was a 23 degree game uh i believe it was 16 wind chill uh, against jacksonville and and the titans came through and won that game 15 to 10 uh and it was an important very very important game too because they clinched a playoff spot with that win the first time they'd gone to the playoffs in uh, in the last 9 years um so what's the forecast right now for for saturday again 23 degrees uh, it looks like a a wind chill, you know, maybe about five to ten degrees less than that because you got winds 10 to 15 miles an hour, so uh, pretty brutal. Uh, this is a Titans team that, if you look on the, the broad picture, has not done uh, especially well in, in cold weather games, uh, over the years. This is a long, long time. Denard, no offense uh um no, no, uh, i'll not taking that. <laughs> <laughs> but um but you know you, you have to be encouraged you know this year i mean they've already had kind of a uh, i guess a, a strange phrase but a, a warm up game for for this sort of situation they went up to green bay i think the kickoff temperature up there was 26 or 27 it snowed for for part of the day and and we know how good green bay has been over the years uh in cold weather and they handed it to green bay one one pretty handily uh up there so that that has to be an encouraging sign going into this game
0: yeah d- days like that are are obviously miserable for fans unless you live in buffalo they seem to enjoy that sort of thing but uh denard the players have heated benches they've got uh they've got high-tech clothing and and everything else nowadays is it that miserable for the players what what's the worst part about playing in those kinds of conditions
1: it's like the time zone. You get used to it. It, it, it doesn't face players. It, it didn't face me. The coldest game I've ever played in wasn't wasn't Cleveland game we were discussing earlier before we went on air. It was the game when we played Philly. It got cold. It got so cold that well, I that remember 2000, yeah, also. Yeah. 2000 also. We, it started out, it was perfect. It was fine. And it was a, a later game, later on in the day. I think it's about 2, 3, maybe 4 o'clock. Uh, the weather was just fine. For some reason, it started dropping. It dropped to the point where most of us little guys, we ran in there a little earlier and got some long johns on so that weather would hit our behinds. But uh, I don't think there's going to be an issue. Plus, plus, when you're playing on the field, you, really, the, you don't really feel the weather. It's not like something that affects you. Guys, Vaseline, they put Vaseline all over them. It's kind of like a we kind of use it as a, it's like a barrier, believe it or not. And and it it has a way of not allowing that cold to hit you as much. Now, the only miserable part about cold weather, again, if you're a fan, David, other than that, it's not a, I don't think it's anything that's going to affect the game.
0: You know, that, that game in Philly, that was in the old veteran stadium, which, uh, which, which had a, a sort of smaller press area than you would get nowadays. And, and, and actually, the the television crew they had to have a camera position at the end of the the writers area in the press box so the window was open and the camera was shooting out, and I was actually in one of the last seats close to that uh, close to that camera position. And and to your point, Denard, the temperature dropped like crazy, yes. and I had nowhere to run to go get long johns or anything. <laughs> that I ended up I ended up by the time I went to bed that night, I was sick as a dog. I was I mean I I got so cold during the course of that game, I, I couldn't get out of there fast enough to get back to the hotel and start writing and and literally by the time i went to bed i was i was sick that was a uh that was a miserable miserable day
1: yeah and david um, i know you're a philly guy now is it true about Veterans stadium they have a jail cell uh they did yeah, yeah.
0: that that wow. was that was added that I, that was <laughs> added in the later years just uh you know folks get a in fact i think the new stadiums might might actually have that too but, but <laughs> So but,
1: why uh, do they call Philly the city of brotherly love? If you have all of that, that
0: was that was, uh, that was <laughs> William Penn, the founder of, uh, of of Pennsylvania and the city of Philadelphia. That was uh, that was what <laughs> he dubbed it. He was a uh, he was a Quaker Breaker. believed in uh, believed in kindness to all and uh, and and you know Philadelphia, Philadelphia has gotten a bad rap. Oh, no, 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 no. Let me just say, but uh, <laughs> but uh, what. Well, the uh i i'm I'm curious though back to the back to the cold it it is do you have to be really careful with your footwear and uh like when the is the ground harder is does that make you change guys maybe change what they would normally wear in, in terms of cleats on on the Nissan stadium turf
1: yeah, it depends on the elements i mean if it's raining uh they got studs, that's what your equipment manager that's their job is to make sure they come out uh before before we play they get there early 3 or 4 hours before the game starts and check the footing uh so that's no that's not a non issue as well i mean believe me there's all kinds of spikes that they have just in case the weather's that bad and guys it, it, they feel like there's you need a three stud a five stud baby they have all of that for you
2: two two things uh, i was going to mention as as may, may or may not end up being factors in the cold also uh one um, you know, we we referenced uh, Randy Bullock uh, earlier. You know, one of the things in in real cold games, obviously the, the air pressure of a football will actually go down, and so you're not going to get the kind of distance that you usually do on your kicks. And, you know, Randy Bullock's strong suit anyway is not necessarily a cannon of a leg. You know, he's more of an accuracy guy at this point in his career. So if you take, you know, three, four yards off that range too – um, you know, that's that's going to impact uh, the game. And I also wonder, you know, Malik Willis uh, likely to do a lot of, uh, you know, um, read option type things. You know, a lot a lot of situations where he's putting the ball in the running back's belly, yanking it out, that kind of thing. So you wonder when one guy's hands get cold, uh, you know, both for the quarterback and, and, you know, sometimes for the running back, too. You wonder if mesh point might be a situation. You, you We're going to see that more often than we would. You know, if it was a Ryan Tannehill at quarterback again, if if this pans out, so that might be a situation to uh, to to watch as well.
0: Well, and and, and watch we all will uh, a Christmas Christmas Eve day game, which will uh, which will either put folks in a really, well, I don't know if they'll be in a really good mood, but certainly a better mood on Christmas Day, or it'll be a uh, it'll be a blue Christmas in the. Uh, in the wrong sort of way for Titans fans, depending on what happens Saturday. But uh, as always, we will be back next week to, uh, to look at that and uh, and all other developments with this team. And until then, uh, Denard Walker, happy holidays to you and yours.
1: Happy holidays. And uh, to John, I just wanted to say uh, on the play by Roger McCrary, did you think that his hand size or the length (laughs) of his arms has something with the play of the year? I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I, wait, was, wait, I was i was gonna
2: mention that if we touched on that topic today i was gonna say Denard, didn't you like the length of those arms there that he was able to to make that play very
1: impressive so
0: re- re- uh, yeah very quickly we're running out of time here but denard on a scale of one to ten how good how smart a play was that by right it's a
1: 10 it's a 10 and thank god for the size of his arms <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh john glennon happy holidays to you and yours
1: okay to you guys as well
0: All right, and again, I am David Beauclair. This is the Believe in Titans podcast brought to you by Online. We wish all of you out there the best for this holiday season. We'll talk to you next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile,